going to start Parshas Yisro. Parshas Yisro, Yishma Yisro, Kohen Midian, Chosei Moshe, is Kol Asher Asal, Lokim Moshe. Yisro, the Kohen of Midian, the father-in-law of Moshe Rabbeinu, the Pesach tells us. He heard everything that God had done for Moshe and for Yisro, his people. He hotzi Hashem, as Yisroel me Mitzrayim, that Hashem had taken out Ben Yisroel from Mitzrayim. So, who was Yisro? Who was Yisro? A great question. Everybody asked this question. And uh, you know who he was? The son of a famous person, the grand son of a very famous person. His grandfather was Avramavim. Grandfather was Avramavim. His father was a guy by the name of Midian. Midian. He's killing. Midian is one of the sons of Avramavim from Avram and Keturah. When Avram got to, back together with Hagar, after Hagar had run away, Avram and Keturah got together. One of their kids' names was Midian. Yisro was the son of Midian, and thus he was the grandson of Avramavim. He wasn't just a nobody. The Avram, Yisro was a smart, smart guy. Later he became the advisor advisor to Paro. We know that he became the advisor to Paro. And then later on after that, he became the father of, who do we know? His famous kid. I mean, aside from Sipor, obviously. The father of a famous king. Balak, Melech Tzipor, will be his son later on. So we got Balak, Melech Tzipor, and we have the son of Midian. Now, what was he named for? The Yud stands for, obviously every, everybody knows that names stand for certain uh, aspects that they have in their lifetime. It doesn't necessarily mean that they're just known as Yisro or whatever. Yud stands for Yehudi. The Yud means for a Jew. That he later on became a Jew and he accepted how many mitzvahs upon himself? He already has seven mitzvahs b'nei no, He had seven, right? So he accepted 613, so 606. Yud, for a Jew, accepting 606 mitzvahs, which are tough reish vav, is Yisro. Yisro is the Jew that kept another 606 mitzvahs, and that's what Yisro is supposed to stand for. That's a very nice uh, very nice thing. But him and Moshe Rabbeinu, him and Moshe Rabbeinu have a crazy connection between one another. An absolute crazy connection. We know that Moshe Rabbeinu stands for Moshe, Shes, Hevel. This is going to be a little complicated. We've got to get a little piece of paper around here. If anybody sees a piece of paper, it, uh, we can use as much as I want. No, it's not going to work because we're not going to be able to put everything on it. Oh, well, you know, we'll just go like this. Anyway, Moshe. Oh, we got a napkin. That'll work better. <laughs> Moshe. Okay. Are you done? You're done. Okay, anyway. Moshe stands for Moshe himself, Shase, and Hevel. They say that Moshe Rabbeinu's neshama was made up of three different parts. One was him himself, obviously, Moshe Rabbeinu's neshama. One was from Shase. Shase was the firstborn of Adam Rishon after the 130 years of separation between him and Chava. And finally, Hevel. We all know Hevel. That was the guy that was killed by Kayan, Shase, Hevel, and Moshe Rabbeinu. Now, Yisro is known as the Neshama of Kayan. He took in the Neshama of Kayan. So, Kayan and Hevel, that connection between Kayan and Hevel was the same connection that got brought back over here between Moshe and Yisro. Now, listen to all these connections that we have over here. Number one, Yisro is being metakin. He's fixing up every single thing that Kayan had. Number one, Kayan said, Hashomer Achi Anochi. Kadosh Baruch Hu appeared to him and said, Where's your brother? Where's Hevel? What did he say? Hashomer Achi Anochi. What am I, the watcher of my brother? He got punished tremendously for that. So Yisro comes along right over here and he admits that he's his brother. Ani chosen cha Yisro ba'ilecha. That's what he said. Ani chosen cha Yisro ba'ilecha. And Pasuk Vav. Ani chosen cha Yisro. First letters are Aleph, Chesen, Yud, or Achi. I am the brother. He admits, I am the brother of Yisro. I am the brother of Hevel, he said. Number one. Number two, they argued about the second twin. They argued about the second twin. There were two twin girls born with Hevel. One twin girl born with Kayan. 
Cain wanted to marry both of them, saying, I'm the Bechor, I get double. So I should get two, two of the daughters. And Hevel said, no, they were both born with me, I should be able to marry them. So they got into that argument, and they ended up getting into the big fight between them. So Yisro took that second daughter, that second daughter happened to be Ms. Galgal, into Tzipora, and gave Tzipora over to Moshe Rabbeinu. That's another connection. Number three, he took all of Hevel's sheep. What happened to Hevel's sheep after Hevel died? Who took his sheep? Nobody's left. Hevel had all his sheep taken by Cain. So Cain, here, Yisro, gave all his sheep to Moshe Rabbeinu. Moshe Rabbeinu became the shepherd of all of Yisro's sheep. That was number three. Number four, he took away Dam Zarosa. He took away all the blood of all the future children that Moshe, that Hevel was going to have. So over here, he brought him back, his children. He brought him back, his kids, Gershom and, Gershom and, uh, and Eliezer, brought it right back to Moshe Rabbeinu and brought it back to him right over here. Number five, the Korban of Cain was unaccepted, right? Korban was unaccepted. So the first thing he does when he finds out everything that had happened over here, what does he do over here? He goes and he brings a Korban. Yisro says, I tell you, he brought up Korbanos to Akadosh Baruch and this time the Korbanos were accepted. That was number seven, I th- number five, I'm sorry. Number six, he was Kofar Bedinim. The Yonosim Nuzil says an unbelievable thing that when Cain heard everything that happened, he said, Lays din, the lays dying. When he saw that Hevel's Korban was accepted while his was not, Lays din, the lays dying. An unbelievable thing to say. There's no judge, there's no judgment anywhere in the world. Oh, but Akadosh Baruch was right there and it's Cain. He'd think that he knew. And yet still, he said, Lays din, the lays dying. So over here, what does Yisro do? Yisro suggests to Moshe Rabbeinu to set up Dayanim, set up judges, and to come up with a whole system of judging people, because originally he said, Lays din, the lays dying. Over here, he shows he believes that there really is a dying around, that there really is a dying around. Number seven, he used the cherev on Hevel. He used the sword on Hevel, and he killed Hevel. What does he do with the sword over here? By Yichad Yisro. Yisro used the cherev to give himself his own bris milah. And he gave himself a bris milah in front of everybody here. He used the sword for good. Some would say for ridiculous. Yeah. There's no such thing as real sword. Yeah, it's a whole big thing. The question is whether you use a rock. Batika Sipor's sword, and she gave a Mila with the rock, and say it was the same rock, whatever. The rock that he used to kill, whatever you want to say, whatever weapon he used to kill Hevel, that's the weapon that he had used right over here in order to give himself for his meal. And number eight, Cain was given an os on his forehead, a vav on his forehead. He fixed that up with his vav over here. The vav over here, vav, always refers to that area of the body that is supposed to have, have the appearance of a vav. That's what he does over here. He fixes up that vav that was on his forehead. The Bris is a tikkun for that. Number nine, Kain told Hevel, and this is the last one, Kain told Hevel, Parach Ba'avir, I want you to fly in the air. Fly in the air, he told them, because they got into a big fight. Kain said, I want all the land. Hevel said, I want everything that's metaltalin. I want all the movable objects and everything. Kain told Hevel, Parach Ba'avir, fly in the air. Don't stand on my land. You're standing on top of my land. I want my land. So therefore, what did Moshe Rabbeinu do? Flew up to Shemayim. Moshe Rabbeinu was given permission to fly up to Shemayim and be in Shemayim. So nine connections between Kain and Hevel all over this Parsha, all over the Parsha. We understand now what Yisro was doing. All these things, we have to mention that he had a bris, we have to mention he brought a korban, we have to mention Parsha Zadinim, and all these things from Yisro, it's all to fix up the hate of Cain. However, the Sultan's not an idiot. Sultan is never stupid. Yeah. Was Yitro aware that he was the... 
We don't know if he really knew what he was doing, but everything he did ended up being a tikkun. Ended up being fixing up exactly what he needed to do. What he needed to do. The satan is not dumb. Satan is always involved, and he's always standing in the back, making sure that everything's going his way. Satan is always trying to maneuver everything to make sure, manipulate everything to make sure everything's good. So on the outside, it looked good. You know, on the outside, you looked at Kain, you looked at Yisro, and he said, "Like, oh, he fixed up everything. Looks fine now. Looks like everything's perfectly fine." However. What did he do by making them judges? He brought about hatred and jealousy in Klai Yisrael. Think about what happened now. Okay, we're going to pick judges now. Uh, you, you, and uh, you. Hey, what about me? Can you, imagine? Can you imagine? All of a sudden, everybody who wasn't picked, only 68,000, 60, whatever you want to say, 78,700, 78,600, I think, altogether, 78,600 were picked to be judges. What happened to all the other people? All the other people were sitting there like, well, what about me? I'm a smart guy. I'm a good guy. Why the big Daniel? What? That's a crow and they're all relatives one another. You have to say, well, what in the world happened over here? You had 78,600 people. All of a sudden, hatred came into class. Well, that guy's not good enough to be a judge. He shouldn't be a judge. That guy should be a judge. And jealousy. One guy saying, well, th- what, who's that guy? Why should that guy get to do it? That guy should get to do it. And everybody started becoming jealous and hated each other in class. It was by Yichan Elahar. They were as together as one by the mountain, by Har Sinai. Then all of a sudden, as soon as Yisrael came, Yisrael was a machlok, because it was before Har Sinai, or after Har Sinai, all of a sudden it started to split apart. Well, people, or people started to argue with one another. When you start to argue with one another, what ends up happening? Complaints. That's when there's jealousy and people start complaining and doing bad things. That's what the Sultan was doing this for, trying to make sure that it happened. And everybody starts complaining about one another. And aside from that, the Moshev Zakinim says, you know about Yichad Yisro? He had goosebumps all over. Says Rashi, one of the Perushim is that he had goosebumps all over. They say because of the Mitzrayim. Because he had goosebumps over the Mitzrayim. Another pair says Moshev Zakinim is that he had goosebumps over the Jews. How could the Jews get such good things? That on the inside, Yisro was crying that the Jews got such good things and all the Mitzrayim died. He was upset that that had happened. That he had goosebumps over what had happened to the Jews. How could the Jews have gotten such good stuff? How come God is with them and not with other people? Why is it them over anybody else? That's another thing. Chazar Lesuro, the Moshev Zakenim says, that after all this he went back to his original derech. And he sort of went off the derech again and he became a regular priest once again. It's crazy to say such a thing. But according to that opinion of the Moshev Zakenim, he was Chazar Lesuro. Remember what happens later on in Parshas Baalos this is in Parak Yudchas Pasuk Zion in Parshas Baloscha, but also over here, Yudchas Chav Zion over here. I'm sorry, but it's also in Parshas Baloscha by Yishalach Moshe Eschosno. He sent him away by Yelech Lo Arzo when he went to his land. Why do you have to send him away? What happened over here? So in Parshas Baloscha, it goes through the whole story that he went to Yisro and he said to him, "You could be our spy. You could be our guy. You know, to figure out where everything is, and you can go into Eretz Yisro and figure out everything for us." What did Yisro say? No, I don't want to do it for you guys. He said, "I don't want to be the spy." So because he refused to be the spy, what did they have to do instead? They had to bring about the Miraglim. And because they brought about the Miraglim, bad spies went into Eretz They came back and bad people happened. Thus, from Yisro, Yud, Taru. Taru is a Lushan of spying. Ten people had to go and spy because of Yisro's refusal to be the Anayim for Kala Yisro. Moshe Rabbeinu saw the little shemits of Gaiva, the little bits of Gaiva and the problems that Yisro had within him, and by Yishalach Moshe, as close now, sent them away. He said, get out of here, I don't want to see you anymore. 
sent him away. And if you look over there, you see Yisrael refusing to go. Refusing to go until Moshe Rabbeinu says, alright, get out of here then. I don't want to speak to you anymore. They sent him away and we don't see Yisrael anymore. There's no more Yisrael. He's gone. He's gone from Klai Yisrael. That's one opinion. The other opinion is obviously the other one. El Arzo is a Gavach of Holach Gairon. That he went to be Megayar, all of his town. And he went to bring Megayar, be Megayar everybody and bring all the Gairon back. That's another parish altogether. But there's different opinions. So what happened to Yisrael in the end? Was he a good guy? Or did he become a bad guy once again? Yeah. Now, if he was a bad guy, that also makes sense why when they're making fun of Pinchas's mother, Pinchas's mother is another daughter of Yisrael. Another daughter of Yisrael. They were making fun of Pinchas. Ben Potizeh, the guy who fattened the cows. Who cares? Now he's a Jew. What's wrong with Yisrael? The answer is because, yeah, Lamaisi was a Ben Potizeh, but now he's terrible. Now he's just a terrible guy. That's basically the idea over here. All right, there's a little bit more to that, but let's go on a little bit. Anshechayel. See, Yisrael suggests, hey, why don't you get some judges, right? So the first suggestion that they say in order to bring them about. He says, here we go. Navolti bull. You're going to wear yourself out. Gamato, gama omazeh, shrimach. All the people are going to get worn out and everything. you got to get some guys. You should find from among all the people. Anshei chayil. Men of war or men of valor. Depending on Asia's chayil miyimsa, right? But men of war. What does that mean? And also, Yuri Elohim, fears of God. Anshei is men of truth. Sone bata, haters of prophets. Haters of taking, you know, of taking money for whatever they're doing. You gotta find four things: men of war, fearing God, men of truth, guys who will not take any money for it. Those four things you gotta look for. Later on, when Moshe Rabbeinu finds them, Vayivkar Moshe and Shechayel, Mikol Yisrael. Moshe chose only the men of war. <laughs> the other things weren't good. They couldn't find anybody. They had all four things. They're just like, well, there are men of war over there, but the Yirei Hashem are over there. Many of those. All right, I'll just go with one. And he picked those seventy-eight thousand six hundred just from the Anshechayel. And what's the big one? Any men of war? I realize men of valor. I don't even know what valor means. I have absolutely no idea what that means. What do they get? They, they get the, the medals of valor. You know? Does that mean they're brave? What does bravery have to do with judging? What in the world are they doing? It's not bravery. You're not going out to war to win a purple heart. You're not doing anything like that. All you're doing is judging people. So what's this on Shechayel? So the Benish Chai says an awesome answer. Benish Chai says, you know why? Who's the craziest people out there? The craziest people out there, out there are the soldiers. These guys are putting their lives on the line every single day. How should they get paid? Is this a draft? Barely anything. Is this a draft? They get nothing. In the Russian army? Nobody got paid. Do it for your country. Do it for your country. That's a nice thing to say, but everybody used to try to get out of the draft. <laughs> you don't want to be an Ashikhal. You don't want to be a man of war. Because the men of war go out to war. They have to fight their tushes off. They have to wake up at 3 in the morning by bugle call. They go to sleep late at night. They have work all day long. Physical labor all day long. And what profits do you get out of it? Where do you go? Uh, yeah, you uh, you go home and you get uh, get a medal. You get to put it up on your wall. Get a little medal. You wait four or five years of your life becoming a warrior for what? For nothing. Those guys who protect the president. I've always wondered. I've always wanted to talk to those guys. The guys who protect the president. Who, if somebody, the Secret Service guys, who if somebody tries to shoot the president, they have to jump in the way. They have to jump in the way. Those guys. Your value to live against your instincts. You have to go up and get, you have to suppress everything and just jump in front. Why? Because the president might be killed. How much do they get paid? $70,000. Well, it's nothing. You did. You're a liar. <laughs> they don't get paid. They're not getting paid. Trust me, these guys are not getting paid the high six figures that you'd expect somebody to give up your life for. You have to constantly be on alert. Yeah, you get the cool earpiece with like a little wire hanging down. So for a cool earpiece with a 
wire, which I can get for you, by the way. You just take a phone wire, put with a little thing in your head. Take a little Bluetooth, because everybody has Bluetooth nowadays. By the way, I can't stand Bluetooth. This is going on tape right now. I cannot stand Bluetooth. I always think the guy's talking to me. Always. <laughs> Happens to me three or four times a day. I'm walking. The guy's talking, and I'm sitting there. I'm like, what do you want from me? Stop talking to me. And he's not. He's looking at me like all weird. Like, Ugh. what's wrong with you? I'm talking on my phone. Like, I'm Honestly, I'm ready. I know eventually they're going to come out with like a little thing that's going to be in your mouth and in your ear where you don't even have to pick up a phone. You just say like, hello. You know, you're just like, hey, how's everything going? Everything's good. And like, he's staring. If you do, if anybody here has a Bluetooth, don't look at other people while you're talking on the phone. Don't look at other people. Don't like look around and be like, hey, how's everything going? I'm not talking to you. <laughs> don't do that. It couldn't be more annoying. All right, anyway. Anyway, so who are these people? They're doing all the credit. They're doing all the money and everything. All right, we know that learning brings a lot of chef onto the world, brings a lot of parnosa, brings a lot of crazy stuff into the world that kicks out all the mazik and takes out all the mazik and all the bad things out of the world. And it's mekayim the world. It's mekayim the world. However, the tzaddikim that are learning this Torah, do they take any schar for what they do? The Gemara in Tainas and Dachofdal, it says, Rabbi Hanina Bendosa. Rabbi Hanina Bendosa, an unbelievable tzaddik. So they say the world is getting a kav of harubin. These types of trees, these types of plants, are getting a kav of these plants. Every single week, they're getting them all because of Rabbi Hanina Bendosa. Rabbi Hanina Bendosa gets nothing. Gets absolutely nothing. He gets nothing for for Shabbos. We'll give him like a we'll give him like a, a bean. That's what we're giving Rehaim and Mendoza. Rehaim and Mendoza brought Shefa down into the world. Brought Parnassa. Brought all the things that were needed down into the world. What does he get out of it? Absolutely nothing. <coughs> absolutely nothing. Gets nothing out of it. Rabbi Yudanasi. Rabbi Yudanasi, although extremely rich, said I never got hanaf from one little thing that I had. Even my pinky never got hanaf from all my things. The the tzaddikim aren't getting hanaf from those things that they brought down into the world. From the greatness that they brought into the world. Itself. Says the Ben Ishai, they are the real soldiers. The real soldiers are, are, soldiers are the people that are doing it because they feel it's right. Not because they're going to have a lot, there's a lot of stuff that they'll get because of it. Not because of the trend is on a kavod. Do you know how much, how little kavod you get until you're about 65? Then you become like a big Rebbe, and then, you know, everybody's like, wow. But until then, it's like, what are you doing for us? What do you do for us? I work. What do you do? I sit in a basement all day and I learn. Oh, so you do nothing all day. You know, so you get absolutely nothing until the age of 50 or 60. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, I, Rebbe, I have so many Shilas for you. You know, 40 years ago. I, I, that's the basic idea is the Anshe Chayal, the guys that get absolutely nothing out of it but are willing to do it anyway. The exact same thing over here. The perfect judges are the people, not the people that are willing to go out and, okay, fine, I can be a judge. Just pay me a lot of money. And as long as I get that money, then I'll be okay. That's not a judge. A judge is to be a person who's an anshechai, a man of war, a person who's willing to put his life on the line, not caring if you come to court and you say, so you better judge my case correctly or I'm going to kill you. I'll be willing to say to you, kill me. I could care less. I could care less. You try to kill me. Do something like that. They say about Rabbi Yosef Chaim Sonnenfeld, Rabbi Yosef Chaim Sonnenfeld, the Rabbi Yerushalayim around the turn of the century. Rabbi Yosef Chaim Sonnenfeld, a guy came to him and he was extremely, extremely anti the, the, anti the, irreligious Zionists. Anti the irreligious Zionists. The people that were totally off, totally off, but were for the state of Israel. He hated them. Not that he hated them as Jews, but he hated what they stood for. And he would never let them anywhere near Yushalayim. He would not let them anywhere near. So one time, one of these pro-irreligious Zionists came to Rabbi Yosef Chaim Zanderfeld's home. It was always open. The door was always open. He lived in a little shack down all the way, right by the Kotel. So uh, he came into his house. He charged down to his house with a gun. And he came with a gun and he said, Sayer Tefilos, you know, say your prayers, Rav Yosef, you're gonna, you're gonna die right now. So Rav Yosef Chaim Sanofa, what did he do? 
tore open his shirt, tore open his shirt, and he said, shoot me. I have no doubt that the bullet won't be able to penetrate my skin because everything I do is L'shem Shemayim. So the guy was so shocked by such an answer, he dropped the gun and he ran outside. He was obviously caught and whatever, he was sent to jail and everything like that. But it's such a line. That's an anish, that, that, that's an Ishchayel. That's a guy who's a, mamish, a soldier who knows what he's doing. He's willing to do anything. He said, I'm doing it, L'shem Shemayim. They're sitting there and looking for the little bead of sweat to go down Rav Yisachayim. No, nothing like that. You know, It's just an unbelievable thing. It's an unbelievable thing to be able to be an Anshay Chayel. Specifically those who when Moshe Rabbeinu, when Moshe Rabbeinu heard from Yisro, Yisro said, you're not going to find guys like that. You'll find like somebody who's a little bit of an Anish Chayel, but then you got to go for Sone Bata, you got to go for the Anshay Emes, you got to go for the Yirei Hashem, you're going to have to go for those other people. Make a combination of all four of them. Says Moshe Rabbeinu, no, 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 no. I don't care about those others. If you're an Anshay Chayel, if you're an Ish Chayel, then all the others will come, will automatically be there. You'll automatically be a Yiras Elokim. You'll automatically be an, an, a man of MS. You automatically be a Sone Betza. If you are an Enosh Chayel, if you are a man of war, then everything else is automatic, and that's why I want those people over anybody else. Now, why did Yisro list them? Yisro listed them because he thought you're never going to find a guy like that. Moshe Rabbeinu said, no, 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 I will only look for those people. Yisro didn't believe that there was such a person like that. The Malbim says the biggest right of Judaism, I think we all know this, the biggest right of Judaism or any other religion is that three million of us heard Harsina. It wasn't just one guy who came back and was like, you'll never believe what I just heard. Like, really? Whoa, let's start a religion. <laughs> that didn't happen like that. It was all of us were there. There's not one of us that missed it. Now, one guy who stayed at home and like we looked at it and was like, oh man, you missed it. He's just like, oh man. <laughs> you know, there's not one guy. All three million of us were there and it can't be faked. It would be well known what happened over there. Same from every other religion. So we tell the Christians just this. When the Christians and the Muslims say, like, we were chosen. You guys were knocked out and we were chosen. And when the Christians say to us, you know, Jews for Jay, why not believe him? He might have been Mashiach, whatever. Aside from the fact that he's dead, don't worry about that for now. But you can say to them very simply, if HaKadosh Baruch Hu originally brought us to Harsinai and gave us the Torah in front of millions of people, millions of people, and we were all there, if he wants to take it back, he'd have to do it in front of millions of people again. He shouldn't leave anybody out. Just like he gave it to us with everybody there, he should take it take it away from us with everybody there. If he didn't do that, then why should we believe anything? Well, because one guy says that he got, took it away and he gave it to other people? Well, one person? Why would he change? Show it to everybody. Why would he change the status quo? The status quo is show it in front of everybody. Why would he change that? So there's no reason to listen to anything over here. And thus, the Rabbeinu Ephraim says an unbelievable remez. Lo Right? You should not have any other gods. Lo the second of the Aseris Adibros, the second one of the Ten Commandments. Lo Elohim Acherem, Lo Yielecha Elohim Acherem is the Gematria of 456, same exact Gematria of Elu Yeshu Umachmad. This is good old J-Man and Mahmud, which is Mohammed. Mohammed. So it's Yeshua and Mohammed. He's referring to these two things specifically. There's a whole seven letters thing, that's, but that's the Rabbeinu Ephraim that says specifically, Elohim is referring to specifically those two that say that the Judaism was taken apart and was given over to the Christians or given over to Islam. That was given over to other religions. To that we say, no, there's not going to be anything else. That's the basic idea behind that. Now, I'm going to tell you guys this one. This is my own. I think there's a lot to this, but I'm going to have to give a big hakdama. And what time is it? Uh, we also have the 40 miracles that happened at Harsinai, so we got to say those also. But uh, this is absolutely awesome. This is Hashem speaking to Moshe Rabbeinu. It says, in Parakut Tess, Pasuk Dalet, You saw that which I did to Mitzrayim. And I flew you on eagle's wings. I flew you on eagle's wings. They say that in the future we're going to be flown on eagle's wings to Mashiach. We're going to be brought over there. They say it's a 
American Airlines, specifically the ones with the eagles on them, on the, whatever. Either way, and then I brought you to me. Then it brought you to me, says the Kaddish Baruch What does that mean? Yonav and Uziel says an unreal thing over there that they flew to Eretz Yisrael to do the Korban Pesach and Mitzrayim, that they flew to Eretz Yisrael and then they flew right back and eagles wins. An unbelievable shot. But what's the shot over here? The Kisya Kavod of a Kaddish Baruch the throne, the heavenly throne of God, is made up of four different faces. Four different faces on each side of the Kisya. There is a lion. There is an eagle. The Aryeh is a lion, obviously. The Nesher is the eagle. Oh, way to go, God. <laughs> I'll talk to you. Aryeh, the Nesher, the eagle. Then afterward, there is Adam. There's a picture of Adam Arishon, who also looks like Yaakov Avinu. There's Adam slash Yaakov Avinu. And the last one is a shore. Originally, it was an axe. And then after the eagle, Azov, it was switched to the crew. To a crew, which is a type of angel. A large type of angel called the Kruven. We know the Kruven. So it's those. But either way, it's a shore. We'll know what is a shore. So again, it's Aryeh, Nesher, Adam, and Kruv slash shore. Kruv slash shore. As of right now, it was a shore. As of right now, it was a shore. Up until the Egoas of, it was a shore. So, all those four are up there. It was set out by Yaakov Avinu. That's why Yaakov Avinu said, um, I knew there was Aryeh, Adam, that's the Aleph. Chaf is Kruv. Nun is Nesher. I knew that was up in the place of HaKadosh Baruch But Anochi, but that Yaakov Avinu, that I was up there, that I look like Adam Rishon, that I didn't know. They say it by there, by Yosef they say the whole shot in the shore is Yosef that Yosef was trying to get himself they, they, the Shvatim tiny to Yosef do you want to get yourself off the Kisya Kavod he said no that's Sana Sana is Shin Aleph which is Shore Aryeh Nun Aleph Sana is Nesher Adam that's Sana you should forgive us says the Shvatim for the fact that we sold you in order to be up there is the shore in the Kisya Kavod unbelievable things going up there but the board is like this over here in order to be on the Kisya Kavod that means you have to have absolute no doubts that a Baruch was in charge and does everything. That Akash Baruch does everything and he is higher than us and you can fathom not what he's doing but you can fathom that there's a God out there that's doing everything and you can't totally understand but you can see basically what's going on. You get a basic idea of oh, that's why this and that's why oh, now it makes sense. Bnei Yisrael got that at the Yamsu. By Yah Yisrael say Yod HaGadola. They saw the Yod HaGadola, the large hand of Akash Baruch Chazal say that means they understood everything that had happened. Why they had to go down to Mitzrayim. Why they had to be enslaved. Why this punishment happened, had to happen to every single one and why they had to drown in the arms of all the Makos and all the Midikinagamidas and everything that happened in the arms of everything happened for a good reason. They saw the Yad and they saw oh, now we understand everything is out there. They got to that point where they were able to see the Kisiyakavod and we said that last week that by, by the Yamsuf they saw the Kisiyakavod they were able to see the Kisiyakavod. Why? Because they were able to understand that something's there. That there's something there. Over here also. The Pshan is like this. Bnei Yisrael got that over here. Now, the second act you have to know is a nesher. What is a nesher? An eagle, right? We say kal kenesher. You got to be light like an eagle. Light as an eagle. What does that mean to be light like an eagle? So there's a mission on Perkyavos that I just did not too long ago. We did it. Have a kal laroche. In Perkyavos, Perkgimel, mission of Yud Beis, I think it is. Have a kal laroche. Be very easy going when it comes to a Kaddish Baruch Hu, says Rashi. When it comes to a Kaddish Baruch Hu, treat yourself as if you're a nobody. You're a nobody. To other people, you might treat yourself a little bit higher. But to a Kaddish Baruch Hu, you are a nobody. For all intents and purposes, you are an ant. Because you're nothing in comparison to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Nesher is to understand that you are nothing in front of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. To be Kal Kenesher means to treat yourself as if you're nobody. You're an absolute nobody in front of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Now, that's the Esau Eschen. I carried you up there, HaKadosh Baruch Hu says. Esau 
is Aleph Sin Aleph, Aleph Shin Aleph. It's Adam Shor Aryeh. I lifted you up to the Kisya Kabod, Al Kanfe Nisharin, to be on the wings of eagles of the Nesher, of the final thing, the eagle that's up there, to be the people that can see what's up on the Kisya Kabod, and yet you see that you you can never understand what I'm doing. You can never fathom everything that I'm doing. So I lifted you up to the Kisya Kabod. I did that at the Yamsuf. I showed you what's up there, but you still consider yourself like Neshers. You're still Kal Kanesher. You still consider yourself not able to understand or fully fathom that which HaKadosh Baruch wants to do. That's the Pshat behind I'm saying. And thus, thus I brought you to me, says HaKadosh Baruch. I brought you up to me. Where is me? By the Kisya Kabod. By that heavenly throne that's all up there. Thus, since you know that, I tell, so therefore, therefore you should listen to my voice. And that's what HaKadosh Baruch was saying. Alright, that's very quick. That was whatever. Har Sinai. You know what Sinai stands for? Sinai is unbelievable. Sinai is the Gemash of Sulam. This is the ladder that Yaakov Yunus saw. Yaakov Yunus saw Har Sinai. Sinai is also Hasne, the Sne that Moshe Rabbeinu had was on Har Sinai. It's the Sne plus the Yura Dibros that was brought down there. Hasne plus the Yura Dibros is altogether the uh, is Sinai. As well as Sinai also stands for Sina, the hatred of the Goyim. Because we had Har Sinai, the Goyim hate us. The Goyim started to hate us because of that. I'm sorry? Yes, definitely. A Samach and a Sin are always interchangeable. You should know there's no such real thing as a Sin. There is no such thing as a sin. A sin is really a For example, the Satan is always known as by a Sama. The first Samach in the Torah is by Yiskor. Basar Ba'ado. I'm not remembering the Pasar, so I shouldn't quote it down. But the Samach stands for the Satan, says Rashi. The Samach is a Lushan of the Satan. By the way, so we have that Samach. We have that Samach over there. That's Sinna. The Sinna for the nations for us. That's where it came from. It came basically from that. Now, let's go through these 40 miracles. We don't have that much time right now. We only have 10 minutes. I'll try to say them as quickly as possible. But 40 miracles happen in our this way you should be able to think like what it was like for them to sit at Harsinai and to see everything that was going on. Number one. Dam was sprinkled. They had to be sprinkled by blood. So first of all, Kadosh Baruch made Moshe Rabbeinu take a whole thing of blood, take a whole thing of blood from the Korbanos, not in his hands, but, you know, in a clay, and he split it in half to exact halves. So that one half was sprinkled on the Mizbeach, the other half was sprinkled on Bnei Yisrael. Now there are three million people in Klai Yisrael, and yet the blood was sprinkled on every single person. Every single person got a little bit of the blood on top of them. Got a little bit of the blood on top of them. Now that, I know that sounds disgusting. He wasn't aiming for the eyes. He wasn't aiming for the eyes, you know, they got hit. And they did have to change their clothing after that. But that's number one, that everybody was touched. Number two, Harakarmel and Hartibor, which are two massive mountains from Spain, came over to Eretisrol, came over to this area in order to get the Torah, not just figuratively. They said, oh, bring the Torah on me. They literally came over, brought themselves over, and said, all right, I'm ready for the Torah. You can bring the, t- you can bring the Torah up on me. Hartibor and Harakarmel came by in order to get the Torah. Number three, no one, when no other nations accepted, we know Akanish Baruch went to every other nation and asked them, you won't accept it, you won't accept it, you won't accept it, etc. When they didn't accept it, a massive earthquake happened. Massive earthquake. And Yamokainis, the Atlantic Ocean, drowned a third of the world. I don't know what that means yet. That takes a lot of work. What exactly happened with it is maybe the Mediterranean Sea was formed. It's a whole big thing. The Mediterranean Sea is not real. It's not a real sea. Oh, whatever. That's another, that's a story for another time. I have a whole theory on what the third of the world is. Number four. That morning, they heard the kolos. They heard the noises of the Malachim singing Shira, which is impossible 
impossible for us to hear. They heard the Malachim singing Shira. Number five, there was lightning and thunder that was pouring down on them without any clouds or any rain. Like in the desert, you know, those crazy electrical storms. That's what they had. And it was probably great for pictures. But the lightning and the thunder was coming down like crazy on top of them. Number six, a light rain fell after the lightning and thunder had stopped. A light rain fell and sprinkled B'nai Israel but didn't put out any fire. It let the fires go. It was like a light rain that sprinkled them to be metahar them, to purify them. But it wasn't a real rain. It wasn't a real rain. Number seven, a heavy cloud was lowered. Said there was minimal visibility but their hearing was extremely acute. Their hearing was unbelievable because they couldn't really see anything in front of them. Number eight, the smoke surrounded the entire mountain but it was nowhere near a fire. There was a fire there also but it was nowhere near a fire. This smoke was three different colors. White, red, and black. I personally have never seen red smoke. <laughs> I'm assuming it does exist. But white and black smoke, I guess we have seen. But white, red, and black smoke. And it smelled like Gan Eden. The whole smoke cloud smelled like Gan Eden. Number nine. happened for the aisle. Remember that aisle that Avraminu shafted and brought its korban instead of Yitzchak? That aisle had Tchiyasamesim. They tore off its horn and they started blowing the shofar. And the shofar kept going extremely, extremely loud so that everybody was able to hear it. Number 10. The entire mountain shook like crazy. Started to shake like crazy. Started to shake all over the place. Number 11. The sun came closer to the earth, close to the moon, to which the moon started shining like it did from the first times, from the first seven days when the moon was, before it was minimized, before it was made into the moon that we have today that just reflects but does not show a light. The moon shone like the sun. Number 12. All seven skies opened up. The seven rikim opened up to show the Kisiyakavod and they were watching the Kisiyakavod. Number 13. Har Hamoria, Har Hamoria, where the base of Mikdash will be, picked itself up and brought itself over to go watch everything happening. To go watch everything. So they saw the Har Hamoria standing on the side. Number 14. Absolute silence reigned throughout the world. All animals, all waves stopped. There was no noise throughout the whole world. Throughout the entire world. My kids love this book. There's a book made by Mrs. Nukkis. She's, uh, she lives, whatever, she lives in Skokie. And she made a whole thing. All the cows did not move. All the birds did not chirp. It's a very cute book. My kids love it. It's the best book ever. There was absolute silence throughout the entire world. Number 15, that was a plug for the book, by the way. Number 15, Har Sinai picked itself up in the air and sparkled itself like a chuppah of Mr. Clean. It sparkled itself like crazy and stood on top of an Yisrael to see if they would accept the Torah. Number 16, Har Sinai widened. It wasn't that big of a mountain. It widened so that all of B'nai Yisrael was under the mountain. All of B'nai Yisrael was under the mountain. Remember, there were 3 million people at least. Number 17, there was a tchum around, a, a, tchum, a, a border that went around the mountain. It verbally told people to stay away. It was very, I mean, they, they have that nowadays, like, stay away from the car. You know, like one of those. Like the tchum told them to stay away from Har Sinai. Number 18, Hashem bent down the Rakim, his Kisya to be able to touch Har Sinai, for them to be touching together, to put the Shemayim and the Aretz connected with one another. Number 19, a massive coal, a massive noise, a voice came out from every direction. It felt like, you know, like you're sitting in a room and you don't know where the noise is coming from. It came from all around and told all ten, all ten Aseris Adibros in 70 languages all at once. All at once. Everyone heard it the way they would best understand it, the way they would have understood it the best. Number 20, all noises, Hashem's voice as well as the chauffeur, as well as the noise of maybe thunder or lightning that might have been out there were all heard at once. Normally, you know how you concentrate on one thing at a time? You can't really concentrate on two noises. Like you hear me, but you can't really hear what's going on back there. You can only hear one thing at a time. They heard everything all at once and it all came into their heads all at once. Yeah. Not yet. Yeah, they will. Well, don't worry. We will. Oh, for all B'nai Yisrael. To show them the Torah was given in all 70 languages. 
Number 21. Nobody differed in the wording that they heard. It's not like a sheer, where all of a sudden everybody could come out over here, and like one guy's going to be like, yeah, he said this, one guy said, yeah, he said this, the other guy said, yeah, he said this. Well, everybody differed. Everybody came out with the exact same thing. They turned to each other. Did you hear what I just heard? Yeah. And they said, <laughs> they told each other, yeah, it was exactly that way. Number 22, they became Ruchni, and they saw everything in Ruchnis, including all the Malachim that were down. 900 million Malachim. That's a lot. 900 million Malachim that were down there on Harsinai. Number 23, all the Bali Mumin, anybody who had any wound, any wound or missing a leg or missing something or whatever it is, all healed. All immediately healed and they're all perfectly fine. Nothing. They grew an arm, they grew a leg, they grew whatever happened. Number 24, all of Odizaras, all idols, came up to Harsinai, came and bowed down in front of Harsinai, and then afterward went to the people who had served them, spat in their faces and said, what's wrong with you? How can you serve us when you have him? <laughs> all of the Avodah did that. Number 25, somebody, I remember saying this a couple years ago, and somebody said, well, isn't that more of a reason to believe that Avodah has power? That's what I said. Alright, anyway. Number 25, <laughs> no woman, no woman had Nida until the end of the midbar. Any woman that was there did not have Nida. She never bled up until the end of the midbar. So for all 40 years, 39 years, 39 and a half years, really, didn't have Nida all the way to the end of then. But they still had children. Even though Nida is normally the way of being able to have children, they were still have children even though they didn't have Nida. Number 26, they, everyone got to Milos and Avua with all, without all the preparations necessary. They're all able to get, become Nivim. Number 27, they saw the Kisya Kavod and the Malachim, but they couldn't look at Moshe Rabbeinu. Moshe Rabbeinu's image was too great for them to see. So HaKadosh Baruch projected his image on Moshe Rabbeinu so that nobody could look at Moshe Rabbeinu. Number 28, all the Obram that were in the stomachs of the woman, any child that was in the womb, why should they be left out? So they saw that the stomachs were made clear so that they'd be able to see what was going on at Harsinai. Number 29, everyone received their own Chelek and Torah and understood it completely the best way possible. Number 30, B'nai Yisrael, as soon as they had heard that voice, they were thrown back 12 mil. That's about 7 miles. They were thrown back 7 miles. Now, Malachim ran, returned them back to their place, consoled them, and then two Malachim stayed with them for the rest of the Sarasadibros. One put the head, put his hand right under his neck to hold up his head to look at Harsinai. The other one put his hand on his heart so he wouldn't have a heart attack. That's what happened with all the Malachim. That happened from then on. Number 31, because they did die when they were thrown back there. They all had Tchiyas Amesim for everyone there. They were, died when they were back. You know why they had to die? It's to show that you should be Moser Nefesh for Torah. You should give up your soul for Torah. You should, be, you should have Mysterious Nefesh. Number 32. Almost done. During the Dibor, every time a Dibor was said by Hashem, Bissamim went throughout the entire world. Spe- special spices went out so that everybody smelled some unbelievable things and it gave them Koach to be able to take a little bit more. Number 33. The Yetzirah left them completely. Left them completely. It somewhat returned when they asked Moshe to say the rest of the Asar Zedibros. They asked Hashem to say two, and Moshe Rabbeinu said all the others. That's why we say Torah Tzivalanu Moshe. Torah is in Galatians 611, because on two mitzvahs from Hashem, Anochi Lo Yelechot, the rest of the mitzvahs were given by Moshe. So two out of the 613 were given by Kodesh Baruch Hu, 611 by them. Anyway, number 34, every one of Hashem's words were written clearly in fire right there in front of them. So they could look at the word and they saw the word. Number 35, the Dibor surrounded them in order to be accepted and after they said yes or no yes to the assays no to the lavin they would kiss them become a crown and then afterwards some of them would go up to Shemayim fly up and form themselves on top of the luchos number 36 Goyim died throughout the entire world from the sound depending on how good or bad they were from the sound after having epileptic seizures number 37 Moshe's voice after he was told to speak to Klaisel and to say all the mitzvahs out his voice carried enough for three 
million people to be able to hear him. Now that's loud. Three million people were able to hear him. His voice went throughout everywhere. Number 38, the sun stood in place the entire time while this all happened. It took a while, but the sun stood in place. Some say for three days the sun did not move. Three days the sun stayed up in place and no night fell. Number 39, this is the greatest one. I think this is the funniest one. The Erevrav slept through it. Erevrav slept through it. As they're walking back, like, whoa, that was crazy. Erevrav are like, what, what just happened? <laughs> Where were you guys? This is just the craziest thing ever. They're sitting there like, what, what, why didn't you guys wake us up? <laughs> so they're sitting there. That's number 39. <laughs> or they were with their animals. They were feeding their animals. Another thing about why they had to feed their animals. Number 40. Everyone became like a mawah. And the fact that from then on, it was impossible for them to have shikhvat zerolavatala, wasted seed. They didn't have any flies, gnats, fleas that could come anywhere near them and no worms or rot after death. No matter how bad they became afterward, even Dustin and Aviram and all the people you can think of, the evil people of Klai Yisrael, none of them had any worms or rotted after death. Unbelievable things happened in Arsini. Now I realize there are always questions, always questions. They're all drushes over here. It's okay. It's perfectly fine. In Mishivanala drush, they say. You can't ask questions on drush. But regardless, those are the 40 miracles that happen over here by Harsinai. These are the 40 miracles that happen over here. There are more. There are a couple others that we can get into, but let's get into one last thing before we go. But yeah, what, Ellie? Russia cured a speech impediment? Yes and no. Yes, in front of Bnei Yisrael when he had to speak Torah. No, when he didn't need to be. On purpose, because he couldn't be cured of it. He had to have the speech impediment so that people wouldn't say, oh, he's just a tremendous orator. That's why he was the leader of Klai because he knows how to speak very well. Because we had to make sure he had a speech impediment so that we see, like, he's talking like he can't speak. And plus, it wasn't only a speech impediment. His lip was stuck to his mouth so he wasn't able to talk. That was the whole pella of the fact that he was able to say pakod pakadati. I will redeem out of Eretz because he couldn't say the word, he couldn't say the letter pay. Pay is with the lips. But his lip was burned to his mouth. So he couldn't say pay. So only then was he able to say pakod pakadati. When he said pakod pakadati, they're like, how do you do that? That's so cool. Do that again. <laughs> they saw him. They asked him, you know, how can you do that? The last thing is, I'm sorry? 40 things and Meowth always brings them down. Meowth always brings down all 40. Now, the last thing that had over here, the last thing we'll get into is, all right, Moshe got into, um, ah, yeah, we'll do this last. Why do we sway? As Jews, why do we sway? I can't cock! The Rebel Hanan Wasserman, Rebel Hanan Wasserman, had, uh, he, a lot of these reformers were trying to trick Rebel Hanan Wasserman. Rebel Hanan Wasserman was one of the Talmudim of the Chafetz Chaim, the Talmud Muvak of the Chafetz Chaim, one of the Talmudim. Talmud Muvak of the Chafetz Chaim, Time. He unfortunately perished in the Holocaust. He was killed Al Kiddush Hashem with his entire congregation in a shoal by the Nazis in Mashiva. But uh one time by Yeshiva and Baranovich, they wanted to bring in a goy. They taught the goy all the Torah that he needed to know, and they wanted to get this kid, you know, accepted into the Yeshiva. They'd say, like, oh, you accepted a goy into the Yeshiva. You know, I don't know, it was a big joke. I don't know, maybe it was Purim Torah, I have no idea. But they wanted to get this guy accepted. So they came to Rebel Khanan. Rebel Khanan saw him and he asked him Shilas and whatever it was. Then after he had finished, after he had finished everything, he said, very, very good, but you're not accepted into Yeshiva. So they said, why not? He said, well, the kid did great. What do you mean? He said, he's not Jewish. They said, like, how do you know he's not Jewish? He said, he didn't sweat. He didn't sweat. Not once. The whole time, he didn't sweat. So what's the pshat? The pshat is, we got it from Harsina. That it says, They were there in trepidation and with sweat. Sweating. Sweating it out. That there's a mila. That when we read Aseris Adibros over Shabbos, specifically then, you should be standing and swaying. Swaying. Some say, Ramosha says, that it's not so good to just 
Aliyah stand for the Aserah Zedibros, you should stand for the whole Aliyah, stand for all of, you should stand for Ravi and the Chamishi, whatever, you should stand for a couple Aliyahs that you show you're not just standing for the Aserah Zedibros, you stand whatever, but during the Aserah Zedibros, you sway to show that we're in trepidation, that we're in fear of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And out of that fear, we sway, we sway and we sweat for the fact that if you wear like extra sweaters and like cover yourself up and make yourself sweat, you know, try to do that. That we do, there's a Mila to doing that specifically during the Aserah Zedibros, to do it while we're reading the Aserah Zedibros. They say there's other reasons. Time and Hagen brings down that we're like a candle. Ner Hashem Nishma Zadam. That the candle of Hashem is the Nisham of a person. That the Nisham of a person is so holy, it's like a candle to God. It's like a light in front of God. It's just like a light flickers, goes all over the place. So to your Nishama flickers. So you always want. So when you're learning, the best way of learning is to sway. Is to sway back and forth to be able to get it. Now, there is a Svara behind it. Ben Ishchai says a very big Svara. Because the Svara is, if you sway back and forth, you can't, you take out all the, if you, you can concentrate on one thing, you'll take out all the other thoughts out of your head. If you sit like this, and you're like this, and all of a sudden you start fighting Martians in your head, you know, like, all of a sudden you just can't think straight. But you go like this, and you're reading something, you will see, you'll see, you're, you can only concentrate on one thing at a time, because your brain's like flipping out. <laughs> like, where am I going? Am I going front? Am I going back? Your brain's flipping out. So you can only concentrate on one thing at a time. That's one of the real reasons why. The Benish Christ says it's much better, eventually you should bring yourself to the point where you dive in without moving at all. You dive in by just standing still. By standing still. Because that means you don't need to sway to get rid of your other machshavos. But until you get rid of those machshavos, until you get rid of those bad thoughts, sway to get rid of them, and then come to the point where you're standing still. And you don't have to worry about them. While learning also, if, you, if you're not concentrating, you're not getting this, you don't know what's going on, sway. You're going to get everything out of your head and just concentrate on this, you'll figure it out. You'll get it all. But then when you stop, and it's already like, oh, what do I have to have for dinner tonight? What am I supposed to do? I'm supposed to call Jack tonight. All right, I gotta call him. Then all of a sudden, all those thoughts come in. But then he starts swaying. You're like, Tayra, Tayra. That's what ends up happening. That's the idea behind it. All right, guys, we're gonna stop. Oh, and the Kuzari. You end with the Kuzari. The Kuzari says that uh, the shot behind swaying is push up shot. They didn't have too many sparring back then, so they had one safer for the two of them, and they only had one candle. So what they had to do is one guy would go down and read, while the other guy would go up and then go ahead, and then when he would go up, I went down. So it was like it was. It's such a crazy thing. The Kuzari king asked the Chacham, why do you guys sway? What's up with the swaying? He's like, oh, it's simple, because of the candle, and he wouldn't sway that way. But seriously, let's get on to another subject. It's like such a one-liner by the Chacham. It seemed like so strange. You know, it was just like, of course, because of the candle, and you just go back and forth. All right, anyway, new. No. <laughs> let's get on to this philosophical discussion. <laughs> That's the idea. All right, guys, so have a good Shabbos.